0: Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry A teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's word For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng You know, most times, uh, especially when it comes to the subject of healing most times, we always think that uh, healing school, healing classes, or healing meetings are for sick people. And actually, it's a wrong understanding. Praise God. It's a wrong understanding. And the reason is because uh, the word of healing is something that you always require. In fact... One of the areas that God is beginning to renew my mind is in the area of confessing the the word of healing every day. And, and, And the way the Spirit of God put it in my heart is that by the declaration of the word of healing daily, we are immunizing ourselves against sickness and disease. Praise God. Now, when you immunize yourself or when you take a vaccine and you immunize yourself, you're actually... Uh, preventing taking something that will prevent all of that to happen to you all of those sickness and diseases now so uh, never have the understanding that healing school or healing classes are only for sick people no you are also learning not just how to receive healing but learning the divine truths so you can communicate healing to others are, are you following me now Come and I said, are you following me? So it's important for us to understand that we are not just the ones to stay healed. We are the ones to dispense healing. Are are you following this? So it is important that we understand the products that we're dispensing. You know, if someone comes to you and wants to market a product, you're going to ask questions about that product. It's the same thing with healing. It's important for us to understand what healing is. How healing comes. What's God's mind concerning healing. And understanding these truths. Not only positions us to minister healing to the sick. Understanding these truths actually position us to walk in perfect health. Praise God. Because God wants us healthy. That's God's plan. That's God's mind. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Remember we talked about starting from that original position that God wanted man to be in. So this is a healing school. This is a healing class. So we're going to be going through scriptures to learn, to understand, to reaffirm the truths of God's word concerning healing. Go with me to Genesis chapter one and verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the earth, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So we understand something very particular from this verse, that man was created in the image of God. Man was created in the image of God. And now I I established yesterday that that's what the new creation is. The new creation is back to this standard of a man on earth that would bear the image of God. Now I want to point out something to you, because we live in the earth realm. We are we are inundated. We are saturated by imperfections. And because we are surrounded by imperfections, we do not find it very normal to hold ourselves to perfect standard. So, when a man reads the scripture, the first thing he's trying to do is to find an excuse why the things of the scripture cannot be so. I, I, are you Are you following me? I was listening to someone I respect a lot in ministry, and he changed my perspective totally. You know, every time we read the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood, it was Brother Copeland actually. Every time we read the story with of, of the woman with the issue of blood, I want to ask you an honest question. How many times have you heard that story and you were uh in that story you were referred to as the woman with the issue of blood? Let me explain this. When a pastor starts preaching about the woman with the issue of blood, you know what happens? He starts saying, if you are like that woman. Right. I said, right. Alright. He starts saying, if you are like that woman. If you have suffered many years. Jesus is here to heal you. Right? Every time, you are always seen as the woman with the issue of blood. Now, have you ever thought that in that story, you could be Jesus? Have you ever thought that way? That... In that story, I could be Jesus and others are the people with the issue of blood. That if they touch me, they can be made whole. You see, you're always quick to associate yourself with the woman who is bleeding. It will take a, a, a teacher of God's word to make you see yourself. Who Christ sees you, when God looks at that story now, He does not. He no longer sees you as a woman with the issue of blood who needs faith to be healed. He sees you as the dispenser of the virtue, and others are those who need to touch you to get home. And you seeing how long it's going to take you to renew your mind to see that I'm not the one with the issue they are the ones with the issue I'm the one with the power praise God I know for some of you now you're still feeling because you have, you so love that woman it, it, it typifies your story you're fallen in love with that woman no you are the light of the world you're not the woman with the issue of blood you're the man Jesus praise God now I don't mean that you are Jesus Christ but Christ now lives in you So as the same way that Jesus was walking on the earth is the same way he is in you now. The Bible says, God, Christ, God is in us reconciling the whole world to himself. How is he doing this? Simply, he says, through the word of reconciliation. The message is the means. Are you following what I'm saying? Because now, you know, social media is very far. You're going to say, oh, well, Pastor Maxwell said we are Jesus. I didn't say that. But Christ is in you. He lives in you. The, the 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 message which we're going to deal with tonight, the message of identification is very crucial. You know why they wanted to kill Jesus? They said, for the miracles will not kill you. He says, but you being man, making yourself God, is the reason we want to stone you. The message that religion has always fought is the message that God lives in man. They won't fight anything, but immediately you start telling them that divinity lives in you. Then you know what they they quickly do? They start pointing you to your flesh. Okay, if you say Christ lives in you, why is this happening? If you say Christ lives in you, why is this happening? No, what is happening does not dispute the the truth. Our experience and not the validation. Are are you following what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? I can be sick right now. I'm not sick, but I can be sick right now and still teach you the truths of divine healing. It does not remove from the truth. I'm not teaching the truths of divine healing because I am 100 whole. I'm teaching the truths of divine healing because that's the truth, my experience notwithstanding. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? But then, the more we begin to hear these truths, the more our experiences will begin to line up. So if you look at the woman with the story of the woman with the issue of blood, stop seeing yourself as the woman who needs to touch. <laughs> Start seeing yourself as the representative of Jesus who has been sent like Paul that aprons and handkerchiefs from your bodies are now healing the sick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the way we must see. So in Genesis one twenty-six. Uh, man, that's the perfect image that God had. Now let's go to Genesis chapter one, verse thirty-one. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Genesis chapter one and verse thirty-one. Praise God. Genesis one thirty-one. Then God saw how many things, everything that He had made. And indeed, it was what? Very good. Now, I want to ask you a question. If the man that God created in Genesis was sick, are you sure God is going to say that it was very good? Come on, are you you sure? No. Some of you are not sure yet. Listen, I don't care what you believe. Sickness is not God's will. Let's just summarize it that way first. It's not the will of God. Are you following that? Now, if that man... In Genesis had sickness in him, God will not say everything is very good. So it means that when God saw that man in Genesis, there was no sickness. That's God's perfect plan. Before sin came. So it can tell us something very clearly. That it is true sin that sickness came into the world. Because we only read of sickness and death after sin. You know, most of us, we have, let me, let me say this. I hope I have, I can finish up, but let me, let me say this to you. We have been trained to accommodate sickness. We don't even see sickness as bad. Let me put it this way. We just think it's normal. So you hear somebody say, you, you you know, you meet someone and say, oh, I think I have malaria. He says, ah, yes, now it's rainy season. Do you understand? It's like saying, uh, what else should you have? You should have it. Are uh, you following what I'm saying? Or you get into a place, in fact, I have sat with uh, um, uh, a pharmacist at the time, and I, someone was sick with, with typhoid. And he says, ah, typhoid is very common in this place. And it's a very serious typhoid in such a way that, in fact, you know, it's almost like saying typhoid is part of us. Uh, are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? Sometimes it's just normal for us to accept sickness because we've been trained that way. Oh, it's rainy season. That's how we catch cold. You know, some people even say, you know, I catch cold always. Every time it's cold, my nose start running. It's almost like cold is equals to running nose. Then he said, that's how I was born. That's why we're saying you should be born again. That's why we're preaching this message. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Do you imagine Adam with handkerchief in the garden? Always oh, blowing his nose. Says, it's cold. No, I don't think so. Someone say, oh, is anything wrong with it? I think so. I'm going to teach you the truth of God's word. Make sure your life lines up with it. I don't even care if I'm preaching this with runny nose. My life needs to line up with it. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Let's raise our lives to the standards of divinity. Let's not bring it down. I was telling someone the other day. I said, even if I'm on my sick bed, dying, and they They have to bury me. I said, let them write on it. This is the man who believes in divine healing. And they say, ah, what killed him? Sickness. What did he believe? Divine healing. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is that my belief is in the truth, regardless of what happens to my mortal body. We must, we must understand this. Are you following what I'm saying? This is the truth and I believe it. Oh, but you're not experiencing it. I believe it. And if I believe it long enough, my body's going to line up with it. So we must never come to the point where we reduce our experiences. Oh, my mother was usually sick at her right hand side. I am like my mother. So I started feeling that pain. You're not like your mother. You're like Christ. That should be more stronger to you than your heritage. You know, some of you have taken your cultural sickness. Say we, so people from so-so tribe, we always have headaches around me. <laughs> the problem is when you start talking this way, people say, your own is too much. No, it's not too much. It's worth much. That's what the word says. Praise God. And we stick by the word. Let me explain something to you. And let me tell you something. You see, one sickness. The day I, this statement came up in my heart, it changed my life. One sickness can wipe away your entire savings in a lifetime. One sickness. All the doctors have to say is we don't know what is wrong with you. Everything you have worked for in this life will be gone. And you know the funny thing, everything you've worked up in this life will be gone and then you will be gone. So never treat sickness with light gloves. Be big on your healing rights. Once you feel any pain, don't be quick to run to the chemist. Take authority over it. Stop it spiritually first before you start taking drugs. Say in the name of Jesus, not my body. I rebuke it before it becomes cancer. Stop it. Stop the growth. You find something in your body. Now you say, ah, is it where?" Well? Don't be asking questions. You're not a doctor. Stop in Jesus' name. Stop it first. Then you can start asking questions. Don't treat sickness like Jesus did not pay the price. The way we fight poverty, if we fight sickness like that, most of us will live in divine health. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, actually, when you tell some people you're not sick, they don't think you're normal. Because people feel that once in a while you should have sickness to just test that you are human. (laughs) Glory to God. Now, let me show you something. In Genesis chapter 5, go with me to Genesis chapter 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. In Genesis chapter 5, you know the Bible said something about Adam. It says that, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Right? So Adam ate. Listen carefully now. This is, a, this is a very key part of the message. Adam ate of the fruit that day. But Adam did not die that day. So the death that Adam died, actually, well, many refer to it as spiritual death. But, which is correct, and I agree with that. But the death that Adam died that day actually was separation from divine life. What, what it means is that Adam was separated from the presence of God. Now, uh, I want you to follow this. Adam had the very life of God in him. The Zoe life, the God kind of life. Now, it had to take time, listen carefully, it had to take time for death to touch Adam's mortal body. Let me explain it. It's like Adam was full of divine life and on this date adam was separated from divine life you know that he had so much residue of divine life in him it took time for him to die how will i explain it now but you understand what i'm trying to say it's like oh it's okay let me use a tree but it's not a very perfect example you know when you cut a tree it, it doesn't go brown the first day if it's a big tree it doesn't go brown the first day it doesn't go brown the second day probably the fourth and the fifth day it starts growing brown right now why did the tree not go um, uh, go brown the first day you cut it although you cut it from the life it was because there was some life in the trunks so it had to use that life up before the separation started reflecting in his body are you following what I'm saying? So actually, in Genesis chapter five, verse five, the day Adam sinned, he died. But the time—the time the it time took for death to be able to take a hold of Adam was 930 years. It took that long for his body to begin to sense that ah, uh, we're disconnected. Now it took Adam nine hundred and thirty years, that's in Genesis five five. It took Seth nine hundred and twelve years. That's Genesis five eight. It took Enosh 905 years. That is Genesis five nine. It took Canaan nine nine hundred and ten years. That is Genesis five twelve. It took Mahila uh, Genesis five seventeen eight hundred and ninety-five years. It took Jared 962 years. The guy was even older than Adam. Right? (laughs) Now, you see, they were all living between 900, 900 and something. You know, it's like, hey, which of your birth are we coming from? Say, well, I'm celebrating 900. Say, you're a young man. Your father died at 930. (laughs) They were not, it wasn't, it wasn't... (coughs) They were not conscious of the fact that they should die at 80. I'm going to explain that scripture to you because some of you have misinterpreted that scripture. God never said man should die at 80. It was the lamentation of Moses. I'll show you today. God never, that's never God's will for man. You see, let me tell you something. Why do you cry when people die? Why? Why do you cry? Even some of you that are strong, oh, Baba is old, but I know he needed to leave. Every time some somebody dies, you cry. Why? It's because it's not a good thing. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not a good thing. There's something about you. There's a pain in you that it's almost like saying, "This is not it. Mm, this is not how it should be." Are, are you following what I'm saying? You'll see that any whatever, whenever anybody dies, the first thought that comes to your mind is why doesn't he come back to life? That's your first thought. Are you following what I'm saying? Your first thought is to reject the news. No, he cannot die. It's a lie. No. He can, why? It is divinity you crying out and say this is not normal. Are you following what I'm saying? That's how it is. Praise God. Now, Adam lived 9.30, Seth 9.12, Enosh 9.05, Canaan 910, Masha'el 8.95 Jared 9.62 Then this is the guy that I love Enoch Genesis 5.21 Enoch did 365 and crossed the line He just broke death The Bible says he pleased God so much God took him He skipped death (laughs) He lived for 365 years And then the guy just went uh, did he die? No, he just skipped that part of his program. Like, no, I'm not doing this. Praise God? <laughs> he not skipped it. So much of divine life. The Bible says he had this testimony that he pleased God. What does it take to please God? Look at this. Faith. Everybody say faith. That's what it takes to please God. Praise God. That's what it takes to please God. Faith. Look at this. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 25, Methuselah lived 969 years. Methuselah lived how many years? 900 and what? 69 years. And in Genesis chapter 5, verse 30, Lamech lived 777 years. I want you to see how long these men lived. They did not have the new covenant. Jesus had not even died for them. They didn't die because they were not used to it. Imagine if your father died at 960. And you are dying at 80. You are a baby. Do you understand? They won't even conduct funeral for you. Praise God. I think my back is falling out. They won't even conduct funeral for you. Praise God. They'll think that, ah, why did this child die? At 80. Once now, even at 80, if you are dead, they'll say a life was spent. In fact, some people expect you to die. Say, How old is your father? He says 75. Is he still alive? You know, say like, "Ah, oh, what's the man doing here? Why? Because our concept of old age is that we'll be dead. They'll not be saying, Papa, say, Papa can't remember his children. Oh. They'll not say, Papa, it's me. You know, because we're used to that kind of life. No, no, no. Abraham had Isaac at about 100 years old. The word of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The word of God. To Abraham. Actually changed the life. And the room. And the texture. And the cells of Sarah. Actually went to work in her body. Altered every single thing about Sarah. God's word. <laughs> we must agree that the church has fallen far behind divine purpose. Right now we are afraid of which is killing us at 35. How poor. You know, Adam will look at us and will laugh. And say, even in my sin nature, I'll leave you guys. I broke God's commandment directly and I still have lived you guys. All night, anointing oil, manto, holy water, coconut oil. Some of you will even go and meet native doctors to rob you. You have mixed all the concussion. You still die at 45. You know why? Because the fear of death has already taken hold on you. How do I know? Let me just Let me just share this. How do I know? Everything is about death. Build a house in the village so when you die, they will have somewhere to bury you. What's your motivation? Death. Marry on time so that at least before you die, your children would have finished school. What's the motivation? Death. Everything, they mark it up with death. Everything is death. Do this before you die. Do this before you die. Have a savings. You can die at any time. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's almost like our motivation for living is how soon we're going to die everything in the news is death you turn the news today 40 killed plane crash accident you know what that does to our mind that's only what we read you know i was i saw something uh a woman they said he, she she's lived for 108 years old on facebook then i said oh share it so that it will go viral i said if it was adam's time this would be a shame that means you still have like 700 years to live. So you see, 100 is big to us. I mean, the 100 we are saying is big to us, is 100 that the man's eyes are closed, the man does not recognize himself. We just say, as far as the man is still breathing at 100, he's big to us. Why at 100, Abraham was still having babies? You understand what I mean by that? It means that something is wrong. Number one, something is fundamentally wrong with our theology. Number two, something is fundamentally wrong with our belief system. Number three, something is fundamentally wrong with our expectations. Hallelujah. Now somebody say, well, the Lord... The Lord said, Moses said in the book of Psalm 90, that a man if we can live up to 80, if we by reason or strength, live up to 90. Go to Psalm 90. Let's read it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you there? Psalm 90. Look at this. Look at Psalm 90 verse 1. Lord, you have been a dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight, and like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are, they are like a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening, it's cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger. Observe, observe now, observe. I want you to read that scripture in context. Observe what Moses is saying. He said this is what is happening to man. He says because we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath we are terrified. Psalm 90 verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you. For all our days, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boss is only labor and sorrow. Did you see in this place that it was Moses speaking? It wasn't God speaking. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Verse 7. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days are passed away in your wrath. Observe that word, in your wrath, in your anger. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, health, diet, exercise, press up, running around town when no man is pursuing you, jogging, by strength, we can push it up to 80. Yet, the boss is only labor and sorrow. For it soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. Look at, look at what he began to say. How long? Have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us. The years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servant and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So you see, Psalm 90 was a lamentation of Moses. He was crying. He says, Oh God, in your wrath, we die at 70 now. Even the Moses who said we die at 70 by reason of strength, we pushed up to 80. He died at 120. And you know how Moses died? (laughs) God called him up. You know, they they died almost like by negotiation. You know, this thing you did, you got to die, right? Yeah, okay. Come on. Climb the mountain. Go and sort yourself out. And the Bible says he climbed the mountain. His natural force was not abated. Neither were his eyes dim at 120. Look at what Paul was saying. He says, if I die, it will be to to my advantage. If I'm alive, it will be to your advantage. Uh, what do I do? What do? Okay, I'll stay alive for a while. Look at how all the fathers of old lived. When they were about to die, they'll say, go and call the children. Let me tell you what will happen to you. And after all the speaking, said they gathered themselves and died with their fathers. Are you following what I'm saying? It wasn't like they were traveling and then they found their head in Nore in and their leg. No, a thousand times, no. That's not going to happen to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at this. Now what was the solution to Psalm 90? The solution is is Psalm 91. Look at the solution. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely, He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers and under His wings shall I take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now, look at this very carefully everything here is activated by fear look at it I shall not be afraid then he goes on to list a lot of things he should not be afraid of he lists four things, number one he lists what Uh, terror of the night arrow that flies by day Pestilence that walks in darkness, destruction that lays waste at noonday. He now says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Look at this. No evil shall be you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, glory to God. In their hands they should bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. Ye shall trample on the foot because he has set his love upon me. God speaking now, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with, with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. Verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. Then you know what? Go to Psalm 92 verse 1. David now goes on to say, it's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to his name. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. You see what? David moves from lamentation so God's plan and moves into praises. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what happens. You can literally shot death in your life by the word of God. But you need to be trained in this. You need to be trained in this. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you Lord Jesus. F.F. Bosworth said, God's power can only be claimed where his will is known. If you know God's will, you can claim God's power. Somebody say, well, pastor, all of these things you are teaching, but I know this anointed man of God who died at 70. I am not telling you what happened to anointed man of God. I'm telling you what is in the word of God. You, you, you rather want to choose what you believe. I'll stick by God's word. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. Now look at this. Thank you Lord Jesus. Are you still here? So when God dealt with sin, he also paid the same price for your sickness. I want you to understand something. It was one blood that was shed for both your sin and your sickness. It's not two bloods. It's not like, the one for sin was very thick. <laughs> and the one for sickness was light. No. That one sacrifice altered. When sin was dealt with, the power of sickness was dealt with. Now look at this. Psalm 103. Let me give you scriptures. Thank you Lord Jesus. Every, every morning when you get up, confess God's word regarding healing. You don't have to be sick to do it. Just confess it. With long life, you'll satisfy me. And show me his salvation. Say it over yourself. Praise God. I said say it over yourself. Amen. Thank you Lord Jesus. Psalm 103. Are you there? Verse 2. Let's read from verse 1. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord oh my soul. And all that is within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Somebody say benefits. Benefits. Now, what are those benefits? He starts listing them. Number one, who forgives how many of your iniquities? All your iniquities. Who heals how many of your disease? All your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction? Look at this. He says he heals all your diseases. But first of all, he says he forgives all your iniquities. The forgiveness of sin and the healing of diseases, it's the same blood. Praise God. This truth will keep you alive. This truth will sustain you. What I'm telling you now, learn it. Sickness is a terrible thing. It's terrible. It will destabilize your life. Are you following what I'm saying? It will, it will hinder you from the things you're supposed to do. Since I laid hold on the truths of divine healing, I've never allowed sickness around my body. Those who are close to me know it's rare. It's rare. I mean, literally rare for you to hear that I'm sick. Is rare. I've been friends with some people for years. They've never heard. Not because we're hiding it. You know, there are sometimes people are sick and then they hide them. No. Let me tell you something. If you are sick, don't hide it. Why are you hiding it? It will kill you. Are you following what I'm saying? When you are sick, let people know. I don't want people to know my problem. We already know. Because you'll die and they'll tell us. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's never be ashamed to say I'm dealing with this problem. Can you join me in prayers? You know why? Because when you die, we are all going to be taxed to contribute money to to bury you. And prayer would have been cheaper. It would take us just thirty minutes. You, I don't want people to know my problem. Nowadays, when people know my problem, they will tell it everywhere. What's your business? Do you are you more concerned about everybody knowing your problem, or you're more concerned about getting healed and staying alive? What do you want? I'm not saying run everywhere. I mean, go everywhere. What I'm trying to say is this. We should stop this habit of belonging to a local church. And you're not well. And then you call your family members. And you are in a local church. And they take you to the village. And, drop in orchard, and all we heard is that you're dead. And you were in a local church. It's amazing sometimes when people even in your local church come and meet you. What they're asking you for is money. Oh pastor, I have this uh I have this uh sickness and I've gone to to, I've already done the test. They just say it's fifty thousand that is left. You know, when such people come, I don't even pray for them. You know why? I'm not sure that prayer will be answered because they are not looking for prayers, they want money, and you know the funny thing: you give them the money, they go back. The doctor performs that surgery. Then say, come back two weeks time, we're gonna check you. They check you, then I say, oh, this is wrong again. You are never free from their hands. Say, so come three times a day. Or three times a week. You know, one day, I wasn't feeling too well. maybe headache or something. I don't know what's happening. Or maybe, I can't remember the exact instance. And then, uh, I called a friend of ours who was a pharmacist. and gave me some medicines, some drugs. I don't, I, I mean, it's not this one you take, uh, fancy. Did they say take fancy? Eh, okay, Panadola. <laughs> the Panadola and all those stuff. You know all these drugs, one yellow, one green, one, this thing. Boof, my hand is full. So he says you need to take this medicine every eight hours. So I took one. So eight hours was gonna be two AM in the in the morning. So I set my alarm. So I got up at about one fifty eight. So I wanted to take the other one. I went, took water. <laughs> I mean. And as I was raising that drug to my mouth, I heard something in my spirit. How many times have you set your alarm for the confession of God's word? You know what? I just felt like God, that's true. If I was diligent with your word as I was diligent with instructions of the doctor, probably I won't be needing this anyway. (laughs) You know some of you, or some of us, when they give us that drug and say, it's 50 C.M., Don't, 50 what? Now, liters? Don't miss it. You hold it. With diligence. Put it to the light. You turn it. Even though your child is calling. You say, leave me, I'm coming. Do something important. You turn it. You're diligent with it. You turn it. You're diligent. You turn it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Say warm water. You can't boil the water. You hold it. Shake before you use. You shake. Very diligent. Even when you are sure, you call the guy again. Say, should we shake it? Say yes. How many times? Say, just shake it, madam. So okay, I just wanted to be sure. Diligence. That same person, studying scriptures, reading scriptures, your child comes, mommy, I'm coming. What do you want? And close the Bible. Attend to the child. Reading scriptures. WhatsApp message comes. He replies, read at the end. Two hours, not read anything. And you're wondering why you're sick. What medicine of God's word are you taking in your spirit? How diligent are you with confessing healing scriptures? When you confess, you confess today with long life. Satisfy me, woo glory. With long life, the next day, I've not done my confession. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Later, you are sleeping with death, you will satisfy me. I'm dead. I'm dead. You are sleeping. No diligence. Derek Prince, a wonderful teacher of God's word, had a, had a rare case of eczema, rare case of eczema, skin disease, rare case. And one day the Lord told him, give him the revelation of Proverbs. He says, my word is medicine to your flesh. And he said, wow, that day, he said, I'm going to be taking God's word three times every day. He wrote, he wrote a booklet titled God's Medicine Bottle. Many years back. And that guy began to take the word of healing three times every day. The American doctors had given up on him. He began to take that word three times every day. The skin disease went off. The price some of us pay to go and get healing. The price some of us pay to meet some of these people the price some of us pay in looking for the cure for our sickness, if we we'll be diligent in God's word, it'll go. But you know the first thing? We don't believe. Say, Pastor, I prayed. The woman even said that before they miss the leaf, they even pray to God that it is not her power. It is God that showed her the leaf she should be using. So we all pray is God. But you know, God will use many things to cure you. Go, carry on, philosopher. And you are drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And you know, come for a healing meeting like this. How many people are sick and we say an for a healing school will never show up? But yeah, they want to go to Lagos. You know, human beings always like the difficult parts. Praise God. They want to travel out. Why don't you save yourself that expense? Listen, I'm not even teaching you this morning, come that I'll pray for you. What I'm teaching you is get a hold of God's word. Go back home and get yourself healed. Look, keep your eyes on the word. And says, if this word is true, it's going to manifest in my body. And stick to it. Kenneth Hagin said, he's had the healing anointing flow in his life many times. He says, but he's got more people healed that believe the word of God than those he's used this gift for. God's word is potent. I said, God's word is potent. Hallelujah. Let's go quickly. Man, our time is gone. I'm not even 10% of what I want to teach. Isaiah 53. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you blessed? Say amen if you are. Go with me to Isaiah 53 verse 5. I want to show you something. Meditate on this. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Look at this. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not we are going to be. We are healed. Now, this was the Old Testament. Let's look at how Peter reports this in the New Testament. First Peter 2.24 Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Peter 2.24 I like what Gloria Copeland always says. He says, Jesus always comes to healing school. (laughs) I like that. Who himself put our sin in his body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Here Peter is talking about righteousness. He's talking about the, 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 the redemptive work of God. But look at what he says. He says, by whose stripes you were healed. Did you observe that difference? Isaiah 53, 5 says, By his stripes you are healed. Because Isaiah was reporting, Listen carefully, listen carefully, listen carefully. Don't miss this, listen carefully. Isaiah was prophetically reporting what's going to happen on the cross. So he says... By his stripes, you are healed. By the stripes that are going to come on Jesus, you are going to get your healing. By his stripes, you are healed. But Peter was there when the stripes came on Jesus. So when Peter was trying to report what Isaiah said, he had to change that. He didn't need to say, by his stripes, you are healed again. Why? Because that event that Isaiah was prophesying had already taken place. So Peter had to change that. He says, by his stripes, you were healed. Meaning it had been torn. Are you still here? That Christ has accomplished your healing. Can I tell you something tonight? God is not going to heal you today. God has already healed you. What you need to do is to receive it. You're not receiving something that he will do. Oh God, try to heal me, try to heal you. No, he has. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every time I need to receive healing, I don't receive it like a present tense. I receive it like a past tense. Lord, I'm healed already. I call for the manifestation. He's paid the price. It's not only so good, hey yeah yeah, yeah. what which sickness you have? It says it's headache plus typhoid plus Maria B B plus 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 uh, uh, how many plus six yay we don't even have that six plus oh Hey, there's no drug for six plus. Just be sick for the next three days. We'll get back to you on that. No, a thousand times. No, all your diseases were already nailed to the cross. All your sickness were already nailed to the cross. Everything that is going to afflict you, that will afflict you. Even the diseases that sciences have not discovered. They were all nailed to the cross. Glory to God. That's why HIV AIDS can still get healed. It was not there in Bible days, but it was paid for. Are we still together? Hallelujah. The price for your sickness has been paid. Healing is a fulfillment of the messianic prophecy. One of the signs that Jesus was the messiah is the fact that healing needs to take place. Matthew chapter 8. Thank you Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 verse 16. Are you still there? He says, when evening had come, Matthew eight sixteen. when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. I like this. I always like reading this. Look at it in your Bible. Look at it in your Bible. Just look at your Bible. I want to point something to you. Look at your Bible. He says, he cast out spirits with what? With what? With a word. Many spirits, one word. He cast out spirits with a word. It's almost like saying Jesus just say out and spirits went out. You know, today we interview spirits. So how long have you been in this body? Four days. When did you come? September 2, uh, September 2nd, September 2nd, 1982. I was in his grandfather before I now entered him. When did you enter his grandfather? How can you listen to some, someone or something that the scripture says is the father of lies? The scripture calls demon liars. Yes, we interview them and trust that what they are telling us is the truth. We should be ashamed. Hey! So when did you enter? 1942. I enter as old woman. Hey, hey, so how are you now? Inside him I became, I say, hey, tell him. So when Papa said, what did Papa now say? Papa now say, hey, you are listening to a liar give you a story? That's what the Bible, listen, the Bible says the, he's the father of lies. That means he's the source. He creates it, and here we spend hours. here yeah, that man is powerful. Oh, no. look, even the demon is saying it. The demon, the demon, even said that the man is powerful. Are you believing him? You know what happened in Acts? A demon possessed person was going with Paul, and he said, "This is Paul, servants of the most high God. They are showing us the way of salvation." The Bible says Paul endured it for three days. Cast out the spirit. What the the girl was saying was true, but the source was wrong. The key thing for us as believers is the source. Are we still together? Look at this. That it might be fulfilled. And he healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. To bore means, to. the word bore here means he carried our sickness. So if you have a sickness in your body now, you are the wrong carrier. You're not supposed to carry it. Because a man had been predestined by God to carry it on your behalf. Uh, a lady, I was reading a story one time, and, 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 and the man said that this lady, she was struggling with the luggage. She was struggling with her luggage, and she gave the lady a lift. So the lady got in the car, and when the lady got in the car, the lady decided that, ah, you're already carrying me. I'm not going to drop this luggage on, uh, on the, on the floor of the car. I'm going to carry it. The, the man said, no, you can drop the luggage. He said, no, you're already helping me enough. Some of us are like that. It's like God, don't, don't worry. I will try and heal this sickness myself. I will try native, native way. You, you already giving me salvation. It's okay. Don't, don't worry. I will. I, I know, what Mama. You will deal with it. <laughs> No, drop the luggage. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your sin is paid for. Your sickness is paid for. That fibroid is paid for. That infertility is paid for. That cancer is paid for. That blood disease is paid for. The pain is paid for. And it goes in the name of Jesus. You don't need to say, okay, don't worry. I know what that Don't know. The same blood. It's the same blood. And it's still effective. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Wow, our time is gone. Are you still here? Wow, 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 wow. Uh, let me show you two things and then we can close. Because I want to spend a couple of time to just pray. So if there are people here who need healing, we we'll get them healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, in Luke chapter 13, something happened. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could, and could in no way raise herself. You know something that interests me about this woman? The Bible says this woman was bent over for 18 years and she couldn't raise herself. Do you know what interests me about this woman? She still came to church. She was still in service. Do you understand that? The Bible says she could not raise herself so she went to church like this. That's how she came to church. 18 years. She didn't have any business being in church. But she went. You know, sometimes your commitment to your local church is irrespective of your experience. I in a church, Pastor. <laughs> if I tell you the story, you won't believe. As I was just coming. My sleep just cut. I said, why would my sleep have cut on Sunday? I went back to the house. I discovered my husband has gone out with the leg of my shoe. You're a woman. Your husband went out with the leg of your shoe. Say that's why I didn't come to church. Why did you not come? As I was coming. I just entered. I just stop Okada. Okada started insulting me. I said, ah, this is a bad sign this Sunday morning. Why will it be something before I go to the house of God? I said, let me just sleep. You understand that? This woman, 18 years, was bent over. But still came to church. May God give you the grace to be committed. Regardless of your experience. Have have a commitment that surpasses understanding. That people will like. Why are you this committed to God? But let's read on. Look at this. But when Jesus saw her. He called her to him. And said to her. Woman. You are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And glorified God. Oh thank you Lord Jesus. But you know what some translation says? Some translation says Jesus said. This daughter of Abraham. Needs not to be bound. I like that. What he was trying to say is that. It is it is unlawful for her. By the Abrahamic covenant to be sick. So that means the healing she got was her rights. How much more? The new covenant. But let me show you something here. But the rulers of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Do you know why? This is one of the reasons they could not heal. They were more concerned about keeping the laws that are setting people free. You know somehow why healing meeting, why the healing power of God does not flow in our meetings? We are so much concerned about people who are keeping the laws, people who are dressing well, people who are eating well, people who are doing all the right things and, and being compassionate that human beings are suffering and they need the power of God. Listen to me. Without compassion, you'll never heal the sick. Because when we hear somebody is sick, what's the first question that comes to our mind? What has he done again? What has he done? We are trying to trace the sin instead of healing the sickness. You know, we almost feel that something must be wrong. He cannot be sick. It's not ordinary. Have you heard that? Somebody is sick. The first thing is, it's not ordinary. And that's why we want you to heal it supernaturally. Why? Instead of looking for healing, we start tracing. When last did he go to the village? Say, on Monday. When did the sickness start? Monday night. I told you. It's finished. It's yes, finished. That's the pro. The, at the end now, instead of healing the sickness, we'll stop punishing. <laughs> you see, do you not know see how distracted we are? When Jesus wanted to heal that guy, who was blind. The Pharisees came and said, who sinned that the man is blind? Jesus said, neither the father nor the mother. He says, but so that the works of God might be seen and Jesus might be glorified, he received his sight. Listen, everything we do in the healing meeting is for the glorification of God. I'm not trying to look at what you have done that is making you sick. I'm not trying to look at the sin you have committed that is making you sick. Are you following what I'm saying? Because because you know why I'm not looking for the sin you've committed that's making you sick is because the price also for your healing covers your sick your sin. That's why sometimes Jesus will say, "Take up your bed and walk." Or your sins are forgiven, and the person will get healed. Why? Because even if we know that you sinned, that is why you were sick. The price has also been paid. It's like saying people should be punished for their sickness. I mean, you know, people hear this and say, well, you're encouraging people to sin. The truth of the matter is this. (laughs) People are already sinning without encouragement. But you know the funny thing? People just need to know the truth. Because you know why some people are not healed? They just feel that sickness is God's way of punishing them for the past life they have lived. And you know what will happen? No amount of treatment will get you healed. Because you feel justified to be sick. What about saying, Lord, I know I didn't live right, but I received salvation. I'm now a new creation. Therefore, I received the justification to receive my healing. You know that most people that Jesus even healed, some of them didn't believe in him. They just came to him for healing. But God was compassionate enough. Some after healing, he would say, go and sin no more. That means he preached salvation to them after healing them no true shepherd must have a heart that is short of mercy. No true shepherd. You must be compassionate. That's what happened to the rulers of the synagogue. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ah, one more scripture and then we can close. Psalm 107 verse 20. I still have a lot. Maybe I've done like 20%. Psalm 107. Because we want to spend time to, to pray for the sick. Psalm 107 verse 20. Even if you know someone who is sick. Who is not here. We are just going to stand in the gap for them. And decree healing upon them. Amen. Amen. Psalm 107 verse 20. I like this. Thank you Lord Jesus. He sent his word. And heal them. And deliver them from destructions. He sent his word. John 6.63. The words that I speak to you. They are spirit and life. I'll tell you something today, beloved. God's word will do what a sojourn can do Amen. and much more. In Proverbs 4, 20, 20 to 22, it says, my words are held to your bones. God's word is his power. Amen. God's word is his power. God's word is his power. I remember a few years ago when we had my son, my wife went to the hospital and the doctor said, oh, she had fibroid. It was going to affect the baby and all that and all the medical advice. You know, let me explain something to you. And I want to say this because I know people are watching us all over the world. I want to say this. Faith is not against medicine because I've heard people leave a meeting like this and just go home and throw their drugs away. No, don't do that. Then don't do that. Or the doctor says something. You say God forbid, God forbid. You don't even allow the doctor to finish what he's saying. You see, there's nothing wrong in knowing what is wrong with you. though it's not fate. Doctor, give you a report. It's not my report. It's not my report. It's not that's not me. It's you. You have it. Are you Are you following what I'm saying? You see, that's not fate. You see, that's why sometimes people start feeling like, oh, pastors are not rational. No, no, there's nothing wrong. Some people have come to me for prayer and say, Pastor, I'm not feeling well. I say, what's wrong? We say, I don't know. My body is just doing me somehow. I say, listen, go to the doctor. I will, how do I pray for you? Father, let the body stop doing her somehow. No. Go, let's let's know what the issue is. And the doctor comes back and says, Oh, there's a blood issue. Then we address the blood. We, you see, we're not, how do I put it? We're not just praying general prayer. You know, general practitioner from the crown of your head. To this no, 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 no. What's wrong with you? And then sometimes I tell people, find out what the doctor said is the, is the cure. So sometimes the person says, oh, my blood level is low. And he say, and I say, what is your normal blood level? What's the normal one? Well, I don't know all those medical terms. And they say, maybe I'm just an example. Then they say, maybe the blood should be 32. I say, fine. So we now know what to pray for. We now speak exact figures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I say blood come up, blood come up, what have I been at? Move and have become high blood pressure. That the blood is not too much. You don't say you have too much blood, you are bleeding from your nose. No, 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 no. Do you understand? Because sometimes this power we need to regulate it. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? So you, you we are intelligent, we are not fools. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the problem is when it comes to prayer, people are not patient. If you come to us, okay, go get your test and come back. Say no, he does not have power. <laughs> no so i want to say this it's very important there's nothing wrong with going to do a test there's nothing wrong when they give you the test you look at it and say so what does this mean and the doctor says, this is this is this is this is what you have say what's the what's the solution he says maybe you need more white blood cells perfect so you now know what you are praying for so you say father in the name of jesus i speak to the white cells in my body they reproduce themselves in the exact number that needs me to function maximally. That's how to not pray. You'll go father, they will not succeed. They will not succeed. Who is it the footballers or what? Who exactly are you praying about? Don't be that way. Are you following what I'm saying? When Jesus finished praying for the lepers, it was the customary law of the law of Moses that the priest had to certify them that they were free. So when Jesus spoke to them, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Go and collect the certificate of your healing. There's nothing wrong after praying for people. Tell them, go back to the doctor. Go and rerun the test. It is not faith to avoid hospital. If it is healing, it will show that you are healed. The report will be clear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So don't go and say, before they say anything, I do it, God forbid, God forbid. The doctor will just leave you and you will die. Be calm. You know why you should be calm? There's no result that can't be dealt with. Just just be calm. Take everything. Write it. Write it. Say, is this all? Say yes. Do you need any other tests? Say no. Run it completely. Say yes. Okay, let's go deal with it now. We now have facts. Are you (laughs) following what I'm saying? Here they look at my body. I don't know what they will discover. It's what you want them to discover that they will discover. Praise God. Are you still here? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805